Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hashtag Act Your Life, a John Rosenfeld Studios podcast. I am your host, John Rosenfeld. And this is our very first episode. I am very excited. And I am starting Hashtag Act Your Life to create a conversation with and for actors, wherever they may be on their journey, and talk about why we love the work, and maybe even demystify not just acting, but the industry in general. And for my first guest on the podcast, I'm honored to have none other than the lovely and talented Mr. John Beavers, who is truly one of my favorite people that has ever come through the doors of our studio. Hi, everybody. Hey. Uh, I am here with truly one of my favorite people on the planet, John Beavers. Oh, man, those are very kind words. Um, truly, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some compliments. Oh, May I? boy. I didn't know what to expect. I'm ready. Well, you are, uh, first of all, an incredibly uh, kind human being, but you're also incredibly smart, driven, remarkably talented. Um, I've had you, I met you in December of 2015. And I have just become very enamored with the way that you just function as a human. Can I ask you, why don't you talk to me like this in class, John? <laughs> I feel like this would do wonders for my work. No, but I think, you know, my philosophy is, uh, you know, your career or your life can't be at the mercy of your habits. Mm. And I think in order for it not to be at the mercy of your habits, you have to be one very committed to becoming the best version of yourself in so many different ways. So when I've, you say can't be at the mercy of your habits, what do you mean? Well, I mean, uh, whether it comes to even as a person, when you just start to identify, like, wow, I sometimes have a, uh, I sometimes get very impatient, mm. or uh, sometimes I'm. You I, can't be I, at the mercy of your bad habits. You're, yeah, you can't be okay. at the mercy of your bad habits. Right, I understand. That's really what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that any growth means eventually you have to be introspective and take a look at yourself honestly right. and figure out what's kind of like getting in your way. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean it's not. It's it will it will be easy. Mm -hmm. It's gonna you're gonna struggle. You know you're gonna you're gonna uh, get frustrated, mm -hmm. but you also have to pers have perspective on that frustration. And I've just seen you break through so many different moments I mean, in your career or in life where you're just like, no, I gotta be honest with where I'm at right now and just keep on fucking going. Wow. Well, thanks, man. That's awesome. That's awesome that that's how it looks from the outside. Because <laughs> <laughs> internally, it's Do you just not see chaos it and pity parties is basically what I'm doing. But don't we all have those? Though? I mean, you know, I guess it. It uh, th this is cool though. I like I like the way you're the way you're framing things. It makes me curious. This is a question I want to ask you at the very top of your um, inaugural. So we say yeah, inaugural. Our, our first podcast. That's a big word that I used. Podcast. Um, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. And and like, what are you doing here? What's the big idea? What's the thought? What is the, if this could go into the ears of exactly who you want it to and have the exact effect you want it to, what is, what is hashtag actor life? I love that. Uh, well, first of all, I know that there's a, I, uh, there's a sea full of podcasts and I am just one of the, <laughs> one of the fish. I am but a the, guppy. Um, <laughs> but I think I want, I wanted to create a podcast for any actor that's trying to find their way, to demystify right. what it takes to just make this a life. Yeah, man. You know, because there's so many challenges. And, you know, when I was coming up, look, I think the reason I have an acting studio, I'm an acting teacher, mm. is 
I had a really challenging time dealing with the daily life of being an actor. Sure. And I often would get in my own way. Yeah. And I needed sustained success. Whereas we all know that there's, it's never sustained. It's a roller coaster. Yeah. And I needed perspective. Sure. Right. And that even not only just from the business side, but also just from the, from the acting side of, of just, you know, I remember going, going up in grad school and, uh, really leaving graduate school thinking like, okay, I'm ready. And then I get to the real world and I'm like, I'm not ready. Yeah, totally. And then I had to do so much work to get ready, mm-hmm. you know, and to realize, okay, I need to supplement. Well, you're already doing a cool thing. You're already delineating the business side from the acting side. Yeah. What does that mean? The business side from the acting side? Because like, we're talking about hashtag, this is this is why I think this conversation, I want to I want to phrase my questions, frame my questions this way. I I'm really excited about whatever you want to do, but I'm I'm especially excited about you in particular because of your experience and your skill set and your articulation on on some of the the subdivisions of what it is to exist in this career. I'm I'm excited about you making a podcast where you said the word demystify, but also like to clarify just what the hell you got yourself into when you moved to Los Angeles or New York or Atlanta or Vancouver and you said, I'm going to be an actor professionally. And let's just say also probably if you're listening to this in film and television, you know, certainly with a a theatrical option, right, to be on, on stage, which is its own thing. But like we're already making a specification when we're talking on camera, right? So, and then you've already said, and so I just want to get back to that question. You said, yeah, I was I was confused on the business side. I was confused also on the acting side. Yeah. Already we're under an umbrella and we're making real clear uh, classifications, right? So yeah. like, what is, what do you, what do you mean when you, when you draw a line between those two things? Okay. Uh, wow. You're interviewing me. I'm really liking this. Right, this is uh, awesome. No, this no, but I think, around, I think I this much is more great. Com- well, first Let me of all, compliment you. Well, first of all, when you go into acting, you get into acting because you fucking love it. Right. Right? Yeah. Because there's something, well, at least I hope yeah. that's why you got into yeah. it for the most part. Because um, you want the adoration of a million strangers. Honestly, it was... I remember having a transcendent moment in college in acting where I think I truly did my first good acting. Mm. I dropped into something honest and truthful. So tell and it tell was me yours and I'll, and I'll tell you mine. Uh, I was doing Twelfth Night. And by the way, I used to get leads in plays when I was in college. Yeah. And I wasn't good in them. Mm. I was a good auditioner. Mm. I didn't know what to do with the preparation. Right. Right? Because when you're auditioning, you're basically, um, you're almost cold reading it because sure. I, they'd hand it to you there or you'd prepare it for a day. Yeah. But my first instincts were, pretty good so i'd get the job but then i didn't really know what to do with the next four weeks sure right i was just learning my lines and also and this is you know we'll never cover everything but it's worth putting a pen in it if you came up in theater and a lot of people did because it's the it's the true training ground in my opinion you can get cast in a play because you've got something you got directors like yeah that with some refining i'm i can get this person to the performance that i'm hoping for and it'll be a collaboration right absolutely that's that's in theater right yeah and so you walked in, you cold read the thing, and you go, okay, I don't know how to spend these next four weeks, but I know I got four weeks, right? I know I got four weeks. Keep talking, but let's put a pin in that and come back to that in in comparison to the process of being out here. But but keep going, please. And then also I could be the leading man because, you know. I No. Yeah. Let's face it. Oh, let's face it, that in We're college. We're complimenting each other. In come college, on, you but think. also people are standing very far away from me, so they can't see me up close. <laughs> I'm hot from the third row. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that love sustains you. 
Yes. And also, I was so young and I was so naive yeah. that I'm just like, but it did teach me to work really hard. And then I went to- But the first moment, the first moment when you did good oh, acting. Oh, 12th night yeah, yeah, yeah. in college. Sure. And I was playing Antonio and it was yeah. small and it was really nice because I knew I didn't have to carry the play. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't have to carry the play, I just didn't wasn't worried about the next scene or the scene where, where like mm-hmm. I- where I was going to have to go. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. present and it was like, it was magical. Cool. Yeah. What was yours? What I, I, Shakespeare as well, actually the, the, I, um, I got invited to jump into a production of Romeo and Juliet in, uh, Seattle, Seattle shakes. The guy, brilliant actor named Hans Altwies, who's still acting up there. Uh, he was going to have his first child, during the run of the play. And okay. so he knew he was going to go out for at least three performances. And so I was invited by a, a really great director who was a mentor to me to come up and understudy the role and be ready to step in for Hans Always in, in the Pacific Northwest and, mm-hmm. and really in regional theater in general. Like mm-hmm. those are big ass shoes to fill. But I, I came up, what he knew I could do, this guy, because I didn't go to school. And what he knew I could do, um, this director, John Langs, who I really love, was I could steal. He had seen me steal before, and he was like, you're, you're great at this. Go watch this process. Get ready for these performances and steal everything. These, all these actors went to conservatory, just <clears throat> borrow stuff. And I really aggressively stole. And I find that people are, are really generous when you're blatantly stealing. <laughs> and, and I would ask these actors to, to, to teach me, to coach me, to, to teach me what they, they learn in conservatory, to teach me anything. Cause I, I knew square nothing about process, about beats, about script analysis. I knew nothing. I had instincts and I had a lot of passion. Anyway, I got on stage finally as Mercutio and I was doing, I think, the first moment-to-moment work I'd ever done in my life, partially because I was scared and all I knew how to do was connect with this other actor, Lathrop Walker, who was playing Romeo, and and have this battle of wits with him moment-to-moment. I knew how to beat-by-beat beat know if I was winning or losing. I didn't have a plan for the first time maybe ever on stage, right? And I'm out there in front of an audience, right? And it's early in the run, so like, you know, donors are there. It's kind of an important performance. And he did this thing in the battle of wits. You know, they're going back and forth. They're sparring, capping on each other. He did this thing where he did the, you know, the double-fisted hand dap. Like, I put my hands here and you you tap me on top of my fists and I come back down on yours. He set up his line and he put it like that. And I instinctually went to swing down and bump the top of his fists and he pulled them out from underneath me and let me go down like that. And then he finished his line right in my face. Audience goes nuts. And in that moment, I really felt, I still look back at that as the first good acting I'd ever done in my life because I was so in the moment that I fell for it. I was a fool in front of everybody live in the moment. And I, and I look at that as the, as the first time I ever really did the thing. That's like, that's like the first hit. It's the first hit, baby. Yeah, that was your first yeah. hit. <laughs> and I've just been like chasing it through dark alleys ever so since. So we got to start with that. You First of all, you got to fall in love. Yeah, man. And then, you know, when I was coming up, it was, you had a very traditional idea of how it was going to go, how you're going to go about it. You go to grad school, you do a showcase, and then you, you start auditioning, Yeah, right? And I finally did enough good stuff out of love for acting. Yeah. Um, you know, off, off Broadway, off, off, then mm-hmm. went to off, you know, not very good movies, but then one movie that went to- This like, is all so, East Coast, by the way. This is all East Coast. Yeah. And then I was able to sign with these really big people, and I moved to L.A., and I got opportunities I never thought I would have. Well, I mean, I thought I, I was, I was 
I was certainly trying to... The rational part of your brain didn't think you would. The rational, but there was but also like, part of me that felt like it would happen, ego. which is why I was in it. I intuitively <laughs> felt like yeah. I will get there. And then I did. I just got thrown to the wolves by these by by my manager. Right. Like, you know, and they're great agents, uh, but I was getting so many auditions a week mm. out of nowhere after for TV and film. Mm. And uh, I suddenly was really aware that I was not prepared, that whatever grad school was did not prepare me. Right. For the volume, and that I didn't have enough tools, and that because in theater I almost could, as you said, play anything. Right. That I was realizing, oh, I have to really hone in on certain points of view. But anyway, even when I started working, mm -hmm. you know, and started to actually get some real wins, mm -hmm. I struggled so much. So, well, first of all, let me say this. I First of all, that's where it comes to acting process. I realized, okay, I really need to acquire some tools. And you're right. I began to watch a lot of uh, – I started to watch actors that were working, and I started to be aware of the opportunities where I was not living up to my ambitions. Right. Where I was just like, okay, you're you're wanting this from me, and I'm not able to deliver. Yeah. Why? Right. And that's really why I have a studio. It's also, it's because I started to figure – I really had to demystify my own acting process and being like, oh, wait, I'm so busy being a good student that – is that <laughs> – I can't wait to have just wake up on the right side of the acting bed to have yeah. a good day. Yeah. I need to actually have tools and I need to problem solve and figure out like what is keeping me back. And that was being able to look at so many different things. A, psychologically, mm -hmm. how was I uh, you know, approaching this work? What were some of my habits that I needed to overcome? Mm -hmm. What are some concentrations? And I started to realize, wait, acting is based on intuition and, mm -hmm. and I need to actually become an expert in like what works for me yeah and not just keep on following the rule book that yeah. i learned because ultimately you have to create your own rule book and you have to realize the great and that's the harsh thing about acting and the greatest thing about it mm -hmm. is that your rule book is going to change constantly that's it's cool. constantly evolving you constantly have to rewrite it i know about that and if you don't rewrite it mm -hmm. it's going to be stale and you're not going to grow mm -hmm. but then when it came to the business side, yeah. which was really... Right, so that's the thing. So you're already a little bit talking about the business side, I think, because you're talking about, oh, you want this thing from me and I can't execute it. You're already starting to intuit. Sometimes when I'm acting, you're looking for this result. Sometimes when I'm acting, you're looking for that result. I don't understand what the differences are. I wouldn't know what to call them yet, but I know that like one doesn't work for the other. You're already starting to like, you're intuiting your way to the 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 business side of let's say picking up a piece of paper and and having some impulse as to what the casting directors the producers want this to feel or look like right yes. you're already doing that but then there's then you know again we're talking about a huge umbrella that covers a lot of things farther into the business spectrum where i think you're going past even the work of picking up and interpreting text. Yeah. Like, what did you not know about that? Which is everything. But is talk everything. about specifics. What did you run into? Getting here in LA, I'm, I'm curious. Like, you get here and you don't you don't understand how to pick up a piece of paper and know what movie you're in yet, yeah. which is a huge part of it. But also, do you know how to how to position yourself? Do you know how to, like what materials you should be creating? Do you know what conversations matter? What mixers I need to be going to all night and trying to hobnob versus when do I go to Well, I, I think it started with me the... getting into a lot of different classes. Right. I was, and, and that's the one thing they don't tell you in grad school. By the way, you're going to have to continue to take class that after that. part. That part, really, is your ego, like I, you're like, I want to, I have a master's. That's a big... And then you're basically told, oh, that doesn't mean anything. Well, yeah. And you know, I, you, that happens here. We'll get people from, Yale or Juilliard and they're just suddenly I still like 
but I, I went to these schools. So if that's somebody listening to this right now, yeah, it doesn't not mean anything. You, of course, don't mean that. It I don't mean that at all. So what does it mean and what doesn't it, what, what won't it save you from? It did, first of all, what it did, it provided you so much valuable information and you are hopefully really ready to go do a play, yeah. <laughs> you know? But there's still this other phase of entering into, into you need more data. There's sure. still data about, as you're saying, film and TV. Mm-hmm. So look, some people are just, have it, you know, and there's somehow they, they, I didn't possess that quality where they I didn't can, either. I didn't, where you just can magically understand and identify what they're looking for without even watching all that TV. I didn't know what you were talking You're just attuned. About. You're in alignment with the writer. That's magical and God bless him. Good for you. Yeah. That was not me. And yeah. I think that's not a lot of actors. Right. So ultimately I got into acting classes that dealt with current material and Initially, each piece of material was a mystery to me. Mm -hmm. And then that just made me want to do it again and Mm -hmm. work harder. And I'm going to read more. Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch more. I became such a student. And I started to go, I need to actually become familiar with these shows and the differences back in, you know, the 90s. Yeah. There was no streaming. Right. And when you go to graduate school, they certainly don't say, say, read a whole bunch of scripts, watch a whole bunch of TV. Why not? Right. They just don't, because right there, I think they're trying to update now. Yeah. But back then, they're really thinking, you want a life in theater. Right. And I thought I did yeah. until I got to New York and I go, I don't want a whole life in theater <laughs> because I would like to get married yeah. and I would like to have a child. I would like, there are things that I'd yeah. like to accomplish in life. And I was watching some of my successful actor friends right. work all the time in theater and make right. $600 a week yep. and live in a in a, in a in a apartment in Brooklyn with five other people. Right. And I'm like, that's not the life I want. Right. And it's so, and if if you do, that's great, but you have to know what you want. Sure. And I knew what I was trying to summon from the universe, and it was not that. So then you pivot and you go, okay, film and television, There, I, I am seeing people who are having um, – uh, affluent lives, they're 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 or, or at least having viable careers, right? These are these yeah. are people who do have a a, yeah. a a nice house, and they can put their kids into a private school if they choose to. So let me head that way. And as a kid, I think as a young person, I think that's that's enough. You're like, okay, I'm going that way because there seems to be happy people doing this, and there's the glitz and the glamour, and yeah. like you know, when I go home for Thanksgiving, my uncle will have seen that show, and yeah. that you know what I mean. There's there's that. The part that I think is my big compliment to you and the reason why I'm excited for for whatever this podcast becomes is that I have not met, and I've been here a long time, I haven't met somebody who understands, lived it, I think is a big part of it as an actor first, Mm -hmm. but understands and articulates as well as you do these delineations between I fell in love with it. I did it in high school. Then I went to, then I went to uh, university. Then I went to grad school. Then I was performing off Broadway. I'm doing, I'm doing real theater in New York city. Right. And then I recognize, okay, there's no paycheck here. Let me move to where I see a paycheck or I get excited for whatever reason. I go to Los Angeles. I'm interested in this work. Right. Or I, I focus more on, on film and television in New York, what, what have you. I'm running into these walls. This is why I think this podcast could be so awesome. I don't know anybody who is has developed as much uh, vocabulary around these specific classifications within within this well, large umbrella kind. hashtag actor life. I don't I don't know anybody who's having this conversation, and I am so tired of watching brilliant brilliant artists run into one or two or ten of these walls and feel demoralized feel inadequate 
and 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 drive their career, if not their life, off of a cliff. Well, and I've seen it a lot of times. I've seen it a lot of times. Well, I, this is where I say teaching acting saved me. Okay. Because ultimately, I was really struggling, John, as we have witnessed in the classroom so much with the waiting. Right. And with the expectation that I would have. Like, yeah, yeah. I remember one point I'm like, I'm on a roll. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm getting momentum. Yeah. And then you realize, nope, you're not. Nope, the momentum. Yeah. That, I've been that, on a roll a couple of times. Yeah, we've been on a roll. <laughs> it's easy to feel like oh, and, I'm rolling. And that's Why would where I, ever stop I became rolling? my worst enemy. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. that's where I started to have catastrophic thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I started to go existential crises. Yeah. What am I doing with my life? Yeah. But I did notice that the times that I really was enjoying myself was when I would just be coaching people or people would just come over and ask to run stuff right. with me. And I just noticed a pattern that people really like to come and, and ask for help. Right. And to me, I there was a it gave me something that acting did, which was to be truly present in the moment. Can I ask and you And I think that's what I was looking for in this podcast. A difficult question to answer is, yeah. is what, why do you think people started responding to you as a coach? Why, why do you feel like you lit up? And why do you feel like people came back and said, can we do that again? I, it's, it's a hard question to answer. I no, I, I could say this. I think because one, I was raised by a psychotherapist mother. Right. And Who I've met and loves you, by and the way. And loves me and she loves you. And I can see people. I can like, I can intuit their blocks and I can see what they're missing and I right. can, I can help them like massage through some of those blocks. Sure. And then hopefully release them into their imagination. Right. And then they all of a sudden are freed and they were able to like book a job. And I think I think more than anything, it was about treating each actor as an individual and being able to identify like what they needed. And that's I think beautiful. that that was I do think you do that. I, I I do see you do that when I watch you coach. I I don't think that you approach any two people exactly the same. So I think it I think then it's the combination of those things. I think it is your I I, I really mean this actually, since we're since we're just lambasting each other with compliments in the right. in the most self serving uh, hour we've yeah, either of us been a part of. Um no, but really I think your intuition as a human combined with um, the sort of cerebral capacity that you have to look at the playing field and go, oh, I understand. This is just purely because this goes on NBC at 9.30 at night and it's page 54 of the pilot. This scene must go this way. There's math to it. And so you can do your best, most pure uh, uh, em- you know, emoting of genuine feeling and be in the wrong scene and get a unfavorable result. And if you interpret that young actor who's brilliant, who just came from grad school, who just came from New York, if you interpret that as a failure of your, again, back to the classifications, your acting, your talent, your innate ability, then you're just logging that data wrong. And and a couple times logging the data wrong can be detrimental, I think, to an artist, to a human being, right? Let alone a person who's attempting to set up a, a viable career, a life for themselves and participate in this. So you, your ability, and this is why I'm excited for you to be doing this podcast, because I the reason I'm happy to be here today is I love talking to you, but what I would love is for somebody who's about to run into one of those walls to hear this and go, wait, hold up, wait. So there's reasons I can be told no, or there's reasons I can be told, I can be called 
bad or, 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 you know, by any number of arbitrary gatekeepers, I can be rejected mm. over and over again, spitefully or, or, or with the best of intentions. Yeah. They're just doing their job too, but I can run into a wall and it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not that, that spark I initially found when I was young that told me I love to tell stories and I have a gift for this. It has nothing the F to do with that, yeah. that I actually it just really need to watch more law and order and figure out how to like lift a scene. So it goes into a commercial break and, and understanding that like, yeah, man, when if you get up and you're doing the same tone for Arthur Miller that you're doing for Ibsen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Somebody's going to say no. And if you're confident enough with yourself as a theater practitioner that you go, oh, okay, okay, I'm not in the right play, you don't log that as I have nothing to offer on stage, or maybe you do a little bit. I mean, we're very sensitive creatures, but you got somewhere to put that. Well, and I think, you know, I, I, when I first moved to LA, I had this audition where the casting director said, oh, God, I loved that. Yeah. And said, it's not that show. <laughs> and I truly didn't understand what she was saying. Me neither, So buddy. I didn't know what adjustment to make. Me neither, man. You know? Yeah. And it, it, but it's an accumulation of those things. Of course. And, and fortunately, I did, I did find the positive in that. I was like, oh, you like it. I, so I got to figure that out. But then That's there was, great. But then there was another time. Mm-hmm. But this hit me where it's like, oh, shit. I, I read for uh, Almost Famous. Remember that? Yeah, Jason sure. Lee's part. Yeah, oh, and I remember wow. the casting director said, "That's the best read I've seen of this this entire time." And I literally left that room thinking, "I'm going to get the job." And yeah. I called my agent and I said, I, "I'm getting it. I'm right. telling you." And she was like, um, "John, let, let's hang, well, I'm, let's I'm hang glad, tight. Let's, let's, let's slow so down. Let me call her." Yeah, yeah. And she called uh, the casting director, and then she called me back, and she said, "Well, she did love you, right?" And she said, "Your read was wonderful." Uh, but that you're not at all right for the role. Right. And to in, in New York. Right. If I would have done that work, yeah. I would have gotten the job. Right. In New York. Yeah, sure. On stage, you mean. On stage. Yeah. Cause if they what what's the problem with my type? Just throw a, a wig on throw me a wig or on throw me. some platform shoes on me. Or yeah. you know what I mean? But like when you watch what, Jason Lee play that part, you're like, I could have never been that part. No, not in a million years. Like this, it's just a completely different thing. I but God, I mean, like, I just would love for this for Hashtag actor life, which is which is such a, a simultaneous like like hacky but perfect uh, uh, label for this thing because it's like yeah everybody throws that around on, on I was Instagram, struggling right? with it so much uh, but it's perfect, I, actor life it's, was a big enough umbrella mm-hmm. uh, to it's what I'm actually intrigued by yeah man it's like how do you make this a sustainable career so yeah. speaking of that. A sustainable career. Let I want to. I want to put attention on you. I think if we earn this segue, I think we have. I, you. I mean, you're pulling it off. As have far we earned as I'm the segue? concerned, I think we have. Um, There's a visual John, component. Okay, could- John Beavers, you are. I have watched such an amazing evolution. Speaking about that business, and we've talked about this in class. Of like, I've watched you hit all these obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when you came to the studio. One of the things I'm so and I. I the reason you're such an amazing person to talk to is you're someone who identifies as being untrained mm-hmm. to a certain extent, you know, because you've learned doing it. And I think some, not by going to grad school or whatever it is. But I do have to say, that's my, I love that because you've learned by doing. And there's a, there's a, uh, Elizabeth uh, Gilbert who wrote a book, Big Magic, yeah, says, yeah. you know, she says in that that you, Writers don't become good writers from going to writing school, from going to school. You learn by writing. Yeah. And 
I think there are certain people like me who needed graduate school mm-hmm. to have a structure. Mm-hmm. I felt very aimless. You, I don't think, I would have, I don't know what I would have done if I didn't go to grad school. You did, you're not someone who needed it. I don't think anyone needs it. I think the people who need it, it's because they need that structure. They yeah. need that that contained environment. And also, wherever, if we live in this chaos, it gives you that structure for three years to where you know where to show up every day. Right. And that's why, again, the the actor life was hard for me. Yeah. Because, and why I love teaching is it gave me a place to show up every day. Yeah. I needed a place to show up every day. Mm-hmm. And I think you do show up. You have showed up every day. Hmm. You work so freaking hard. Hmm. And when you came to me, you know, you had been on Fresh Beat Band, mm-hmm. right? Which was a uh, kids musical show. It sure was. And uh, and it's so interesting because even your you were so wonderful on that show. Everybody was wonderful on that show. Mm-hmm. But it was like that's. The brand you were playing back then <laughs> is not all what you're playing now. No, you know, you you, you used that that your some of your fun vocal things, yeah. and it was just kind of like this Ooh. fun, tall, goofy guy. <laughs> and now you are you have a substantial part in Kevin Costner's new films, Horizon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I've watched you go from just trying to get into a room. Okay, I watched you. I watched you try to get into a room. Mm-hmm trying to get into rooms to now uh, having been a series regular multiple times. Mm-hmm. And what I'm so intrigued by with you is how, when we talk about your your evolution of sitting there, because I remember you got really frustrated in class initially. You know, oh, you're yeah. frustrated because I was asking you to do things <laughs> and it was kind of mysterious to you Completely. about what I was saying. So yeah. I want to kind of, ask, I want to ask you, because again, sometimes people will say, we'll get so confused by process. Yeah. And again, there's no process. I think even the word methodology is daunting. Yeah. Because it well, almost means like you have to, means. what's that? I, I mean, I, for somebody with a that never went to college, it can be a it's very, very daunting. daunting word even right it's now. It's like, it makes you think, God, I have to learn this whole methodology. It's yeah, like, I've, I've got to go. look that up, and then I got to look that up. I've got to go to, uh, I got to go to school. About, I, I have to start studying uh, Nietzsche, Kierkegaard, yeah, right. you know? <laughs> but I want you to identify, talk about those walls you hit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I feel like beginning to work with you was... Um, uh, really hard and annoying, uh, but um, no. But meeting you was a was a real turning point for me. It w- one of the luckier things that happened to me because I didn't understand the marketplace, yeah, and my relationship to it prior to to meeting you. I was very concerned still with you know I'd gotten to be on the Fresh Beat Band, which is a wonderful journey, and you know working for a husband and wife team that I'm still very close with, and with. Uh, three other actors who I love, and we made a, a wonderful thing that was really important to a lot of families, and, and did some did some beautiful stuff. It was not what anybody would consider like you know uh, like prestige uh, acting environment. I I had my own little you know ego hurdles to get over with that, but I just I never I didn't worry about being on that show. I just felt like, and then when I'm done, I'm gonna go do what I thought I was gonna do to begin with, which was really like sink my teeth in and pursue this. You know, I'd started in Shakespeare and, and you know doing I did a Neil Butte play and you know like doing doing things that were 
asked you to be right on the edge of yourself. And I was really preoccupied with that. I still am as almost like a mystic pursuit, you yeah. know, because I think there's something spiritual about what we do, like yeah. to, to be totally present um, and, and, and allow somebody else's words to be digested by your body, but then come out as, as your own organically, truthfully, your truth. Yeah. That shit, we could talk about that forever. And I want to. I came into your classroom getting back to that, wanting to do it, wanting to see if I could still do it, having all the self-doubt and all, all the hubris, mm -hmm. you know? And we would approach material, and I, I look back now, and you were being very kind to me. I think you could see what I was bringing to the table, and I think you were a fan of mine to begin with. But I was square one learning what it meant when you said, you're just in the wrong genre. Do you know what I mean? And it's that it's that famous Matt Damon story we talk about where Soderbergh tells him, like, no, it's good. You're just in the wrong movie. And, yeah. and Damon says, that's the number one job of an actor. Know what movie you're in. I didn't know what movie I was in. I didn't know what show you were handing me. You were handing me words. You were handing me a name. It was a person. I got to a point of view from that person that I could organically feel connected to. And then I played the hell out of it. And I'm trying to leave blood on the stage. You know what I mean? I want, I want this work to matter. And I... I think you were doing the kindest thing you could for me, which is like, yes, awesome, totally wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, I, I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't, as you say, and when you talk about your you know early interaction with, with the city and, and this business, I didn't know how to pick up a, a, um, an hour-long medical drama from Dick Wolf and know the difference between that and Two and a Half Men. I really didn't know. I yeah. mean, you could say one's a comedy, and I knew comedy. I understood, like, the general energy of that, but I didn't know how to execute specifically. I just didn't understand the medium, right, or, or the current state of it. And what's really cool working with you is that I think you're still plugged into the current state of these things. You work on a lot of sets. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about them, but you know, you 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 get out there and you're helping shows that are currently on the air mm. hit the the highest mark they can. And then I think you bring that energy back into the the room. And now that I do, fast forward however many seven eight years we've been working together. When when we're working on half hour comedy now, and you're coming off the set of one of the funnier half hour comedies that, that I, that I've seen, we're talking in nuance. Now we're talking about like, that was, that was how you hit that joke last year. This year they're hitting this joke like this. And that's cool. That's like being a, a musician and hearing the album that just came out from the rival band or your best friend's band or whatever. And going like, damn it. Like, let's get back in the studio guys. Cause I want to, I want to comment on that. That's cool. That is an awesome place to be. Like the, the business, as screwed up as it is, sometimes when, when you're watching what one writer is doing with another writer's innovation, you can really feel like, oh, I got my finger on the pulse of something. I could not have understood this conversation when I first met you. Mm -hmm. I thought either I'm telling the truth or I'm not. Right. And, and I was so preoccupied at that time, honestly, in my development with, can I even do it? Like, you know, mm -hmm. what, what evidence do I have that I'm the actor that I pray to God I am? And what was so awesome was learning that like, okay, put that aside for a second, try to execute this form. You know, we've talked about it like sheet music, mm -hmm. try to pick up this sheet music and play what the composer wrote. Yeah. If you're playing pretty much a decent polka, then that's way better than playing this as brilliant blinding jazz because you're just totally off off the book, man. You're yeah. like you're you're doing your own thing, and it's not gonna lift this piece of music. If you're awkward with polka, let's start working there. And I think that's how you work with people. Like, look, if you if you have 
if you have any interest in being in a, a half hour comedy, then like let's start working on the muscles that you've never used before to you know to re- to tune your ear to to what this music is rather than approaching it. You know, you have these words that I think are really great: technical versus versus organic. Let's approach this technically, and then once you can hear it technically, your organic will catch up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think you you you're able to guide people with that too. All that to say. I, I'm now a ways in my journey and I'm still learning that when I pick something up, I want to serve the writer first. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, I think a healthier, and at least for me, it's been a really um, exciting way to stretch myself as an artist. How can I serve this writing? And then if it immediately comes, if I organically immediately have a take on that, awesome. If it's completely foreign and alien, like, Let's dig in and find 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 something my instruments never played before and see how that feels. I think there is something to be said to not be scared of any opportunity you get. Sure. So it's I can't say I'm not scared. Of course. I, I well, you're right. Maybe <laughs> I'm, I'm maybe scared of hell ninety percent of the time. Scared is nor well, yeah. what I'm saying is I want you to welcome all opportunities. Right. And that just means nothing felt worse feels worse than getting an opportunity and going. I wish I had been working on stuff like this right. so that it was familiar to me. Totally, man. You know, so being prepared for the event. And I think what that means, you know, as far as working on all genres and yeah. all that, and it is not enough, as you just said. Yes, it starts with, yes, be present, be mm-hmm. moment to moment. Mm-hmm. But you still have to be in the right movie. Totally. And you still have to understand the demands. And that's where I sometimes watch actors feel slapped across the face yeah. when I'm really hugging them. Right. Yeah. By saying, Great, now mm-hmm. we still have work to do. Right. And they're like, but I was present. Right. It's hard, Great. man. That's it's the I know it's very thing. hard. It's like you're the you're the painter and the paintbrush and the canvas, you know? And, and there's no objective place to step back from and go like, oh, okay, yeah, let's look at the work and, and critique it together. Like it's my body, it's my voice, it's so vulnerable. I, I remember going through a phase when I was starting to book some good jobs and you know, you always go through, as I said, different stages in your career. And mm-hmm. I remember my objective in going to the into the room was, I'm going to show you what the scene should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I may not, I probably won't get it. Right. But I'm going to show you what it should be. That's healthy, man. And then that was like, I'd start to get callbacks and get jobs yeah. there. Eventually that didn't work anymore. But sure. now I'm like, give me the fucking job. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. And that was when it got unhealthy. <laughs> but I, then I watched you. So let's go further. So you did that and I watched you initially and we had it's funny because you we, you we we had some i don't want to say contentious moments but yeah. we sometimes like i could tell that sometimes you just wanted to like I was, scream at I me i was ornery man. you're an ornery, yeah. you're an ornery <laughs> fucker, and you're for, and you're very tall and I'm so very tall. you know i felt that i would you know sometimes have to go john uh-huh. i have to say uh-huh. your way you're coming off right now yeah. is like you really hate me <laughs> and you're like no i don't and hate like well but, at least i'm transmitting something honestly but the great thing that happened is even though you stayed ornery you were in a class with great people people and yeah. I know they kept you going brilliant people yeah. and brilliant people and then you started to notice that some of the stuff you were learning was working but you started getting some really freaking cool jobs yeah you know well it's a digestion process man it's a digestion it's like pro- you gotta like and 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 the thing about you talked about me being untrained I still feel untrained I still feel that's healthy 
Yeah, maybe. I think at this point, you know, like I'm going to be 40 years old pretty soon. And it's like, at this point, I am what I am. And I'm starting to get to a point where I'm like, okay, I got here how I got here. So there's pros and cons to all of it. But I do actually, very recently, I'm I'm honoring the, the pros of I didn't train. Right. And some of that is that just like, I kind of expect to mess up the first few times. Yeah. I really don't know what I'm doing. So once I got to the point where, and being honoring with you, I've got very few people in my life that I trust completely under the hood. You know what I mean? And we got there really fast. And then once you're under the hood, then it's like I'm wrestling you for the wrench a little bit. Yeah, you know what totally. I mean? But I, I really knew, okay, we're talking about the same thing. So tinker with it and then like you know i'll decide how i feel about it you know and it because it's it's extremely vulnerable and i've i've met a lot of teachers that just want to feel god bless them whether they know or not they want you to feel how much you need them okay and you can end up getting feedback that it's not entirely off base but it's not it's not articulated with as much delicacy as possible, with as few fingerprints as possible. So that you're because you're really doing open heart surgery on a person, you know, especially when they're first learning. And I I've blocked out a lot of a lot of um advice, feedback, criticism, but to protect my own ego, but also this sixth sense of like, yeah, you just really want me to feel like you know and I don't know. Like you just wanna you want to feel that that exchange so that maybe I come back or whatever. And I've actually watched you do the other thing, which makes me trust you. I've actually watched you be like, actually, you don't really need much on this. You're really on it already. I've watched it confuse people. You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, well, what am I? No, you just got it. This time you got it. Next week you won't. You know what I mean? And it's to establish that trust and to have that trust for as long as we've had is really, really helpful to me. And I brought you, you know, I brought you this big movie and I brought you the, the, some of the bigger things in my career just to be like look at this with me because i can't be the only person looking at this and having an ongoing trust and a a conversation that makes sense hey move this for genre reasons switch this for character motivation reasons try this just mechanically in your body see if it's going to feel awkward and then see if you can find a place where it sits organically like those are really intimate things to talk about you know and i'm very grateful for for our relationship creatively and 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 also just personally because like I don't know how you do it as a mercenary in this game you don't get those four weeks you talked about you don't in grad get the school you sometimes you're you're most of the time honestly at this stage of my career I'm a hired gun I'm expected to show up and deliver and sometimes in some ridiculous situations where you're like how in the hell am I supposed to intuit what you want here right. You got to have a team. You got to have a, a support system. You got to have a trust in yourself, a foundation. You know, I remember showing up on the uh, one of the first days of that big army uh, miniseries. They're like, okay, cool. So this is this tank blows up, and then the, and then the the camera cranes up over the thing, and it comes to you, and you deliver these two very like stoic lines, and then it pivots, and then the building blows up behind you. We can only do it once, okay? We're rolling, you know what I mean? And yeah. you your heart starts to pound. You know, this job is like we train for it here, but the job on the day is like you you're you're doing a sensitive, delicate thing in the worst possible conditions, right? You're like you're telling the truth in space and time under the like most artificial of circumstances and high pressure and i remember taking a breath and being like i've made 50 tapes this year like 
I've, no. I've been on camera in my own living room or at the studio 50 times this year. Yeah. This is not the first time I'm on camera. And it, it lowered my heart rate. And it's just that thing of like, it's Kobe Bryant getting to the gym you know, at 4.30 in the morning and leaving at 9.30 so that when he takes the craziest shot at the buzzer, it's the 1,000th time he's taken that shot, you know? And so, like, it matters. It but matters speaking to, to, that, it, to have a base. Well, even to, for me to be able to speak to you, mm. like saying, hey, maybe co- do this concentration, maybe search where it lives here mm. organically, all of that, you still have to get to a place where we can become that conversive right. and be able to talk in that way yeah, yeah. because that way it's, it's, we're fluent in this communication. Right. And there are other people that are like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. Yeah, totally, but we, man. I think what people just need to remember, you're going to be on set mm-hmm. and you need to be that person who's able to be collaborative with that director totally. or writer so where they are seeing that you're processing things right. in a way that's showing I'm truly trying to find the truth. Right. You know, and if I'm committed to the truth, yeah. people are typically going to try to w- want to work with you because you're excited about excavating whatever you can. Yeah. Um, but I do think, lastly, I think, you know, you go from Fresh Beat Ben, but you also had a small part, a very small part, which I thought you were wonderful in. It was barely any lines. Hmm. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, I had a friend call me up about Netflix, you and goes yeah. like, he really was extraordinary in that. Thanks, man. Well, we coached that. We did? Yeah. Holy shit! I don't remember that. But <laughs> but you were you were so lovely, and then you're on you're the military series that yeah. was called the, uh, the Long Road Home. The Long Road Home. You got to work with Michael Kelly. Yeah, sure and, did. And I a love hero him. Of mine. Yeah. God, I love him. Yeah. And then you also you play the very bad guy on. I don't know. I played a bad guy in a lot of. Things. I know you play a bad guy. <laughs> no, that you are a series regular on um, the Animal TNT Kingdom. Show, Animal Kingdom. I would have really bad guy. I'm a really bad guy. I could tell you a whole story about why that guy's not such a bad guy. But I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I'm gonna let anyway, it slide. But you, you gotta wrap this, it up. But so you have this accumulation of wins. Yeah. And then you actually get to the series. Then you booked a pilot which did not go. Yeah, yeah. That Rest was very peace. upsetting. Yeah, that's too bad for the great Sean Cassidy. God bless him. God bless him. Yeah, he's he's done some man. stuff. He's a sweetheart. But ultimately, what I love is what I've watched you work on. Just go from talk about an arc, fresh beat band, entertaining children, mm-hmm. to now somehow getting to a place where you have a really substantial part in a multi-picture series by with Kevin Costner. Yeah, that's um, a heck of a thing. But I've watched you in class use it, and I say this as a compliment. Mm. selfishly, yeah. which I think you should, meaning I know what I want to be working on. Right. And I want talk about an advanced place. Sure. Is I would watch you sometimes even forego mm-hmm. the story that maybe was written mm-hmm. because you were trying to work on something very specific. I got to flex some specific muscles because I got I got I, These are the muscles I need to thing. work on. Yeah. I'm working on slowing down my heart rate, living in my power, mm-hmm. finding that calm, that truth and my God is that serving you because you're playing. Mm. I don't say I can't say much, but a you're playing someone a, a scary dude. Yeah, and that there's nothing more. That's why I say you're one of my favorite people is because I've watched you. I have watched you so committed to every opportunity. You never. I. I. You don't get up there to practice bad habits. 
you get up there to solidify things. Well, thanks, man. I'll I'll take that one, and and we're wrapping it up. I know, but I'll take that one, and I'll say to you that you create a space for that, and this has been a space for me to to practice and to grow in, and so I'm really grateful uh, for that because what I think this. Uh, studio does and what I think this podcast uh, can do is it gives the actor back their power, gives them perspective, helps them understand what world have you just stepped into or what world have you been existing in for some time, wherever you're at, and what are your controllables and what is outside of your control. What's outside of your control, we let it go and we try to enjoy the journey, but what's inside your control, control the hell out of it and go hard to work, you know, because... It's a really competitive space where a very few people get to do some new and exciting iteration of that thing we all fell in love with however far back. And it's really important to be having conversations that get into the the nitty gritty of this is this and this is not that so that we understand what you're working on and how and how that has to do with your greater arc as an artist, you know, because sometimes it's just one new exercise and sometimes you have to pull from the deepest parts of yourself and sometimes both. But I don't know how to do it without being in conversation, without being in community. And I think you're making that conversation happen here. So thank you for letting me be part of it. That was very heartwarming. Yeah, man. I really appreciate that. What well, was a love fest? It's I'll say fest. that about I this know, episode. I know. Well, uh, <laughs> sorry, audience. You just, you know, I'm, we're still dressed. Yeah, this is okay. too grim, man. Just, just platonically loving the hell out of this Platonically show. loving so, the hell That's not the content you came for. You're, you're listening to the wrong show. Uh, all right. All right, brother. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Hashtag Actor Life is a John Rosenfeld Studios podcast produced by Paved Path Productions, filmed by Haley Tucker, sound engineering by Haley and Adam Tucker, sound mixing and original music by Brandon Liu and Brandon Liu Music. To learn more about John Rosenfeld Studios, visit www.johnrosenfeld.com.